This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today on the show, we're going to welcome Billy Mitchell from Pearl Riverkeeper. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to keeping the Pearl River watershed clean and healthy through advocacy and education. And on occasion, they even get into the water to do the dirty work. We'll talk with throughout the hour with Billy about his work with the Pearl River and the upcoming Clean Sweep event this weekend. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take your pet questions. You can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. And if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, we always like to remind you that it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope that everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Libby, we always like to start out with events coming up. So what do you have for us? Well, a, a big deal. In addition to Clean Sweep this weekend, there is Science Fest going on in the Jackson area. The four museums out Lakeland, Museum of Natural Science, Children's Museum, Sports Hall of Fame, and Agriculture and Forestry Museum uh, on September the 21st. So that's this coming Saturday. All day is all about science, all kinds of sciences. And um, they've got scientists coming in from colleges and universities to do special programs. If your child likes science, it's a great place to go. And maybe if they think they don't like science, it's a really even more important place to go to find some fun connections with science that they'll be studying at school. And uh, things are geared towards what's going on in classrooms around the state. And um, there are also very special activities for Girl Scouts. So if you've got a Girl Scout troop, you may want to call before you go. And um, there's some things you can do towards badges. There might be for Boy Scouts, too, but I got information about the Girl Scout stuff. So that's important science fest. And it would be possible to be a clean, sweet volunteer <laughs> half a day and go to Science Fest half a day, too. So you might consider that if you're in this area. And down on the coast, um, the uh, Coastal Audubon people sent me a list of their upcoming field trips. And there are many, and they all sound wonderful if you're interested in getting outdoors and maybe learning a little something about birds. Uh, you can go to org to see a list of their field trips. All right, very good. Uh, our producer, Java, found an article in the Huffington Post titled, Are Plastic Dog Toys Harming Your Pet? The author talked about her dog being a power chewer and destroying all the toys that she buys, but she got concerned when she saw little pieces of plastic in the dog's poop. So, Dr. Major, a couple of things here. First of all, um, is there a material that may be better than plastic uh, for dogs that are these power chewers that uh, that might maybe last a little bit longer? You know, it's very hard for some dogs not to tear something up. I mean, that's kind of their psyche. And uh, our big dog, uh, we've gotten some, quote, indestructible toys, and they rate those from 1 to 10, and she can, she can tear up an 8 easily. And uh, we're trying a 10 now and see if she will tear that up. But... In answer to the thing on plastics, remember that plastics can have an effect. And one of those effects that we see quite often is a plastic food bowl. Uh, if a dog has a black nose over time, plastics, not, I don't know which plastics, but plastics can cause depigmentation of that nose. And you have a model nose or nose that turns pink that was black. 
So with that case, uh, a crock or stainless steel uh, bowls are best. As far as the toys, I think we need to be real careful with the ones that tear them up and then chew them or eat them. And I would, uh, a lot of dogs try to get to the squeaker if there's a squeaker in that toy. Mm-hmm. Some of those are big enough that they can cause an obstruction, and so can some of the plastic and other materials. So be careful. In answer to the question, I would say yes, um, especially if they become lodged uh, in the intestinal tract, they can cause some serious issues. So bits of plastic can be a trouble if the dog does digest them. Uh, I don't know that I can pinpoint any study that I that I'm aware of that shows that uh, they could be a an issue causing uh, cancer or other other type things. However, it's got something to consider. So I would definitely take toys away as they begin to be torn up, and uh, I would stay away from those plastic type toys. All right. Uh, Billy, the article also mentions why there is so much plastic in the environment. In your work with the Pearl River Keeper, have you found that plastic is a problem uh, when cleaning up the Pearl River? Oh, yes. It actually is the number one problem is is plastic bottles. Um, you find a lot of uh, grocery-type plastic bags also, but plastic is definitely the biggest uh, polluter of our river. All right. Uh, We're going to be talking to Billy throughout the hour about his work. And also, as uh, Libby mentioned briefly, we'll talk about an event coming up this weekend, the Clean Sweep. Uh, We'll learn the details on that. And again, it's uh, if you're looking for something to do this weekend in the Jackson area, that would be something that you could volunteer to help out with. Before our first break, we have a caller on the line. Uh, So let's say good morning to Linda, who's called in from Memphis. Linda, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thank you so much for the program, all the service that you all do. Uh, This question is for Dr. Major. Uh, It's about my little terrier. We've been fighting fleas all summer. And now he just bites himself all the time, and his skin is red. Do you know of any uh, medication that we could use that would be safe and not cause any more problems? Right. Uh, Have you got the flea problem under control? Almost. I still see them, but every day I fight them. Right. Are there cats in the environment? No, no cats. Okay. I'm just thinking of a lot of times we have uh, pretty well under control on a dog, say, that's inside, but there are animals outside that may have fleas that aren't being treated. There are some, there are some, there are some safe uh, flea control type medications. Uh, one of those, and I don't want to advertise necessarily, but uh, there are quite a few that will actually kill the fleas and have a residual effect. Uh, there's oral medication, uh, and there's also topical. And if this is that bad of a problem, I would certainly talk to your vet about picking up something that can actually help with the flea situation. As far as the itching and scratching, if he's if you get the fleas under control, you may still need something uh, to help with the itching. Uh, I, I thought you mentioned something one time. It seemed like it started with an S. Uh, well, there's one called Apoquel. That's it. Apoquel, and it's advertised on TV, but it does work quite well. Uh, and usually you can taper the dosage off. It does not have the side effects that your steroid-type thing would have. There are also some injections that are safe. Uh, one is called Cytopoint, which helps with the itching, and it's non-steroidal. 
And, of course, sometimes we have to use steroids depending on what the issue is. I'm yes. not totally opposed to it if we need them. But talk with your vet about Apoquel, if you would. Okay, Apoquel. A-P-O-Q-U-E-L, Apoquel. All right, thank you so much. Good luck to you. Thanks, Linda, for your call. Why don't we go ahead and take our first break this hour. When we return, we'll talk with Billy Mitchell from the Pearl River Keeper. As a member of the Waterkeeper Alliance, they're dedicated to improving the Pearl River watershed through restoration, advocacy, and education. You can call in with questions and comments. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield is retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today we're going to be talking throughout the hour with uh, Billy Mitchell. He's our guest from Pearl River Keeper Group. Uh, if you want to join the conversation with a question or a comment, our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Before we jump into the Pearl River Keeper discussion, Dr. Major, we had a pet question for someone who couldn't stay on the line, but basically it was that uh, his daughter's dog had recently lost one of its legs, and so he wanted to maybe some tips and things about how dogs can adapt uh, to having only three legs, and is it better, worse, different if it's a hind leg versus a back leg? Interesting question, and of course, uh, first of all, they adapt quite readily in most cases, and uh, some of it depends on whether it's a recent injury that caused it. They haven't had any experience trying to walk on three legs, so they may fall a little bit till they get that down. In my opinion, uh, I have a cat that has three legs, and she has been since a kitten. uh, She is missing a, a front leg. Well... To me, the thing is that they seem to do better if if you have an amputated rear leg. They kind of use that to steer with as much as anything. If you have a dog that gets too heavy, uh, certainly there's more impact on the front, and certainly that can cause some issues. So if I had to choose, I would say that uh, the rear leg would be the the most advantageous from the standpoint of mobility. We see a lot of dogs that have three legs that can run uh, almost as fast as the dogs with four legs. Uh, I have seen one or two dogs over the years with only two legs, and uh, it's pretty amazing how they can adapt uh, to that situation. So I guess the bottom line there would be because they can learn to adapt, it's certainly not the most ideal situation, but maybe not something to get too overly upset about. Right. And, you know, the the adaptation really, uh, they don't complain too much. Uh, once they learn to get around, uh, they do quite well. Going up and down stairs might be an issue, uh, certainly. Uh, and that, that can be alleviated even by, by not having stairs available for the dog unless you have to. But that can cause some issues of slippage, this sort of thing. All right. As I mentioned earlier, our guest today is Billy Mitchell from the Pearl River Keeper Group. Billy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. If you would tell us a bit about your background and how you got involved with the Pearl River Keepers. 
Well, I'm I'm from the Jackson area and and live out at the reservoir and and there on Peelahatchie Bay and have always tried to keep trash picked up out there. Um, I heard about the first clean sweep and met Abby down at the museum actually, uh, and got involved with the the first clean sweep and picked up trash around where we live there. Um, so it's something that you're just interested in, and it's, if you, again, if you live in that area, it's just helping to try to keep your environment clean and, and doing what you can to help out. We're going to talk about the clean sweep. We mentioned it a couple of times, and I guess it is this Saturday, uh, September 21st, beginning at 8 a.m. If you would, tell us exactly what the River Clean Sweep is all about. Well, the clean sweep is uh, all up and down the Pearl River. There's over 30 sites participating in an event from up at Nanawaya all the way down to the Gulf Coast. Uh, there'll be teams with team leaders. Uh, anybody can participate either on land or in the river itself. Uh, we have two uh, companies that, that rent kayaks to people. Uh, you would have to have already reserved a kayak by now, I expect, but you can bring your own or you can just work from the land and uh, organizations like Pearl uh, the, the Reservoir uh, they'll be around to pick up the, the bags and everything and, and we will provide that type of uh, equipment grabbers for picking up the uh, trash on the that's out of reach uh, and you can use rubber gloves, right? If you want right, to. right. You need you need to bring your own water bottle. We're we're kind of picky about not contributing to the problem, <laughs> <laughs> so try to do that. Um, if you if you're on land, you might want boots and 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 some or some comfortable shoes that you might get muddy. So each uh, group kind of takes a small section, and then that's their area that they patrol and clean up. Right, and and you can go to the Pearl River Keeper website and browse through all the the different locations, all the sites, and if, if there's something close by, uh, I know there's people up around uh, Carthage, they'll be putting in at, at the Highway 35 bridge, at the Highway 13, old Highway 13 bridge. There's a big group at uh, Leake County Water Park. There'll be a group at... Uh, Pelahatchie Creek at the reservoir. Uh, we do have some groups that participated last year around the Jackson area, but those will not be available if they are in the section of the river that's that's under a notice for uh, sewer problems. Okay. Um, so help us out with uh, some Mississippi geography. Where does the Pearl River go in Mississippi? I mean, is, it's, it, I think it's one of the major rivers in our state. Uh, do you know, the, maybe give us a starting point and an ending point? Pretty much the, the headwaters or the, the beginning of the Pearl River is around Nanawaya, which is right at the top of Neshoba County and uh, southern Winston County. There's a whole network of, of creeks and bayous or what have you that eventually form together to make the Pearl River flows in a 
southwesterly direction and then turns south when it gets closer to Jackson. Uh, go south of Jackson down through Byram and Terry and and uh, Georgetown, Monticello, down Columbia, and then it is the boundary between Mississippi and Louisiana on the on the bottom, the Panhandle, and eventually empties into the Gulf. Okay. Um, so, what makes the Pearl River special? Well, most important, I would think, is that it's our the Jackson area's drinking water supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's important ecologically. There are a, a whole group of uh, animals that are found on the, on the pearl that are enlisted as maybe not endangered, but they're on the list for uh, interest. Um, there's uh, the ring sawback turtle found nowhere else in the world, but on the Pearl River. The Gulf sturgeon, um, different kinds of mussels. There's lots of bald eagles, gopher frog, gopher tortoise, uh, pearl darter fish. And, of course, nowadays we even have the black bear that's in Mississippi. Um, there's over uh, 130 species of fish in the Pearl River. And myself, when I was young, I didn't think there were only four or five kinds of fish <laughs> anywhere <laughs> in Mississippi. But also, you know, uh, Mississippians love our natural resources, so it's a great source of recreation as well. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a beautiful river. Uh, unfortunately, it has the reputation of being dirty, and, and I grew up wondering myself, you know, why don't we ever go to the river? Uh, my dad would say, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Because the the landfill was always on the river, hmm. uh, and it, it was just kind of common knowledge that it wasn't safe to to be in that water. Um, let's talk a bit a little bit maybe about some. Uh, we talked about the clean sweep event that's coming up this Saturday, but there's some other activities. Uh, maybe if you could tell us a bit about Water Rangers. Uh, water Rangers is is the term we use for ourselves that we we also do testing on the river um we have two types of testing one is the bacteriological and another is the chemistry testing uh, our, our main concern is actually the bacteriological the uh the first year that we did was last summer and we had 10 people that were trained by alabama water watch they came over and and held a one-day-long class. And what we do is uh, use some what's called Coloscan media bottles and Petri dishes. We take samples. We take three samples from one spot, and the, the media in the bottles and in, in conjunction with the Petri dish will grow E. coli and other coliform bacteria, and, and the E. coli are a different color than, than the other. So then we can count those up, and if they're over a, a certain threshold, then, then there's a danger of the E. coli being present. 
All right. So, again, getting back to the clean sweep, uh, it's basically cleaning up trash. And you mentioned that uh, the, the big trash bags get picked up. If you could give us maybe a sense of how big of a problem this is, for instance, in your experience uh, doing the clean sweep, how many bags of trash do you folks usually end up with, you know, in one little section? Well, it's it's really massive. Uh, I know the first year we had uh, like 16 tons of trash. Wow. There were over a thousand people volunteered. Um, the yeah, next, and our stretch along the Pearl River there at the Fanny Cook Natural Area, it was amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't mm-hmm. take very long. You know, it's not like you're going to go out there and you don't have to go out there and sweat for six hours. You can go out there for a couple of hours, and it's you know it's not easy work, but it's not terribly hard either. And walking along the banks is. Uh, a good way to do it if you don't if you're not with a boat but it's amazing how much you start finding we just you know everybody filled up a bag pretty quick and there was a, a you know several pickup trucks full of trash coming out of there right in in the in the two years it's, it's been done so far it's been uh, over 67,000 pounds of trash hmm. and picked up by about 1700 volunteers we're talking today with Billy Mitchell from Pearl River Keepers. If you have a question about the work that the group does or a question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Send an email to animals at org. We'll be back with more after this, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield and our guest today, Billy Mitchell from the Pearl Riverkeeper Group. If you want to join our conversation with a question about the work that the Pearl Riverkeepers do or a brush with wildlife, maybe that uh, you've something you've seen or encountered when you've been out in the great outdoors in Mississippi, then give us a call. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 672 7464. You can always email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you ever miss part of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcast app or get the MPB Public Media app, and then you have access to all the MPB Think Radio shows on your schedule. So, um, Billy, and I'm not sure if, you, if this is, there's an answer to this question, but I mean, I don't assume that all of this trash is people walking along the river throwing stuff around. Does does litter maybe just everywhere eventually kind of work its way, you know, into or near our our rivers? Right, absolutely. It it can flow down from a street in the storm drains and eventually makes its way down a creek and then and into the river. Uh, we do have cleanup crews that are working on some creeks around the Jackson area, too. If you've got small kids and you live anywhere in the Jackson area, really wherever you live in the state, if you wanted to maybe teach them a little something about that, you could get a trash bags and take them out and let them just pick up along the street or anywhere that there's litter, and they're preventing it from eventually making it to a river. But I think that's a good point is that it's, you know, again, it's not just, oh, I was at the river and I threw my plastic bottle. If you throw it anywhere, there's a chance that it could eventually end up Mm -hmm. kind of spoiling all of our natural resources. And again, why I think this is so important is 
you know, Mississippi is blessed with such abundant natural resources, and people always talk about the next generation, that sort of thing. And we, I think most of us want this great, you know, uh, resources that we have available for future generations. So I think that's why it's so important uh, to really try to keep the things as clean as possible. And, Billy, is that part of the the group's mission, to make the public more aware of the problem and, and just, again, to realize what we might be doing to what we have here in Mississippi? Right. We we love for people to learn about the river, and, and hopefully in the future we'll have more and more people using it. And the more people that are interested in the river, then the, the, the easier it is to stop some of this littering and pollution. When it's important to you, uh, you want to take care of it. Um, and you mentioned plastic bottles being one of the big things. Again, uh, what are some of the other things, the, the types of trash that, that tend to show up in, in when you're doing these cleanups? Oh, there are some really strange things that, that some of the teams find and and I know uh, one of the team's leaders uh, gives a prize for the most unusual litter. Uh, I've found things myself, uh, cutting boards. I like plastic cutting boards. There's been animal skulls. Uh, there is a real problem with a lot of tires down around the, around the city of Jackson. Uh, anything you can imagine, a whole automobiles, uh, Wow. Things like that. <laughs> and, and, of course, lots of cans, and those are recyclable, aluminum yeah. pretty readily, but there's always a lot of... I'm surprised at how much aluminum still gets thrown away. And I guess it is important to have people that are willing to volunteer to be in the river as well as along the river because there's trash found in both places. Right, right. And you can you can access a lot of the trash from the water because it gets hung up from when the when the river floods and so forth you you can reach into the branches and that you might not be able to reach from the land all right uh we've got a caller on the line so let us say good morning to joseph who is calling uh from jackson joseph what do you have for us i was wondering where the uh the epa is in jackson uh city it is on the dumpage of the sewage in the pearl river this time Well, I really can't answer that question. Uh, I, I'm somewhat familiar with with what the EPA is is doing, but but they're working with uh, the city of Jackson, and I think you could you could go to Pearl River Keeper website, and there is a section on there that does address that, and and but I I don't have that information right now. But it would be PearlRiverKeeper.com, I think. Is that the website? That's correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I know we can talk just in general because that's something that we haven't brought up. Of course, the most serious kind of pollution that goes into the river are those kind of things that can harm us, you know, from a health standpoint. And um, this, our sewage, we know that we have old sewage pipes around cities anywhere in the country, and Jackson is included in that. And when those have a break in them because of uh, just shifts in the earth or adjustments from uh, uh, the weight of a building or roots of a tree, anything that might crack one of those pipes causes a leak of, you know, some pretty awful stuff. We know what's coming out of our houses in the sewage and all that's in pipes. 
and it does make its way to the river more often than we want it to. And uh, that's a, a very serious problem, and we've had problems, unlo- you know, just like cities all over the country, Jackson's had some real serious problems. And when that happens, somebody like Riverkeeper, that's why you're checking the E. coli, really, isn't it? Is right. To, because we don't know where that sewage may be leaking, and um, it's it's a tremendous problem for Jackson to have to deal with. It's not it's not an easy thing to do, and it's expensive. Pipes have got to be replaced, and they've been doing a lot of that. But um, that's not something that individual landowners are ever at fault, I guess, unless you don't have a good sewer system. But pretty much uh, we're dependent on the government to help us clean it up, and the river keepers, the river um, rangers, are basically can volunteer to um, get information that then is going to feed back and help the city of Jackson know where the, the most serious problems are. And it, it kind of helps people's peace of mind. If you want to get out there and boat or you want to swim, you want to eat the fish out of the river, then you want to know which parts of the river are polluted, and you want to know it as soon as it happens, not six months after it happens. So it's a, it's an important thing. So the E. coli then can affect folks, as you mentioned, Libby, maybe tr- people trying to enjoy the river, but also, I guess maybe more importantly, the fish and other things that inhabit the river uh, can be negatively affected by this. Yeah, certainly any any wildlife that's living in or close to the river, depends on the river, is going to be affected by the sewage. And uh, our drinking water, of course, is treated, but that doesn't mean that everything can come out of it. You know, you you don't want your water so full of chemicals in an attempt to be able to purify it. So we want to... The, the most important thing for the river is to be able to provide us very good drinking water. You want good quality drinking water. And to do that, it helps. But I'll, the litter is not insignificant because it adds to the problems, and now we know that those micro, organ, micro pieces of plastic, the mm-hmm. tiny little plastic that you don't even notice, that we can't even pick up in a cleanup, if a plastic bottle floats there forever, it, it's, it does deteriorate. It deteriorates slowly, but very slowly it feeds those little micro pieces of plastic into the water, and that doesn't get filtered out necessarily, so we drink that. Now, you can say, well, that's why I want to buy bottled water, but bottled water has those microplastics in it, and if you're drinking it out of a plastic bottle, it's certainly got the microplastics in it. So... My feeling is that if you want pure, clean water, the last thing you want to do is buy it in a little plastic bottle where it's got all that surface area and it's floating around in the plastic. You want, if, if you're concerned about it, you can put a filter on your faucet where you're drinking, and then you can be pretty sure that you're filtering that out. But, but then also, as you say, if, you, if you're drinking a lot of bottled water, you're not directly but indirectly, that's adding to the problem because then that bottle of water, when it's empty, has to be yeah. disposed of. And yeah. a lot of times people don't necessarily take care of it the way they should. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we talked about plastic straws. Well, when you think about it, you're sucking any liquid you drink through that plastic straw. You're getting plastic in your body when you do that, particularly if it's a Coca-Cola or something that's acidic. Mm -hmm. It's just eating tiny little pieces of that plastic. So 
I think that's a good reason to stay away from plastic, and particularly those plastic straws and bottles. They're, they're unnecessary pollution in the river, which causes a problem there, but I think it can be, you know, there's no proof right now that that's terribly bad for your health, but to me it's just common sense. I don't want to be using it. So, Billy, when we talk about that E. coli, and you said that the, the water rangers will, will gather this information about the amount of E. coli in the water, what happens with that data? Is, is it, again, this is just uh, an awareness uh, issue, or what, what becomes of the information? Well, we actually uh, report that data to DEQ and to Pearl River Valley Water Supply District. They're, we've worked with them and had meetings with them. They're aware that we're doing these tests, and they're uh, glad to have that information. Yeah, because, again, that way that helps them understand where the pollution in, in, a, in a watershed or water area might be, and then uh, that's uh, something that they can do to, to work on it, but also, again, to, uh, to uh, um, just make the public aware as well. So when you talk about, we've talked about the idea of, of cleaning up and a little bit about the advocacy. What about education? Are there some programs that the riverkeepers have to make the public more aware of the problem and the importance of keeping the rivers clean? Not specifically. We, we do try to take advantage of any opportunity to, to participate in things like Science Fest uh, and, and get our name out there and get, get people aware of that there are people that care about the river. And, and if you want to participate and join us in the effort, then, then we welcome you. Uh, how long has the Clean Sweep event been going on? Do you know? This would be the third year. Okay. All right. Uh, and and as we mentioned earlier, um, well, I did not think, but this is part of actually a, a larger national group called the Waterkeeper Alliance. Is that correct? That's true. Uh, Waterkeeper Alliance is is an international company that was was uh, founded in 1966 by some fishermen up on the Hudson River, and they they were becoming upset about their livelihood was was catching fish commercially i suppose and and the industrialization was ruining the hudson river so they formed a a group and it grew from there and so this is something that folks around the country and as you say around the world are working on again to try to preserve our natural resources do you know of any other groups in mississippi that might be working on other rivers in the state Currently, the, there aren't any that are with the Waterkeeper Alliance. Uh, when Abby Brayman came and, and started the uh, Pearl River Keeper, she has, she's the first one in Mississippi. Uh, there are over 300 waterkeeper organizations in, in the world. Uh, Pearl River Keeper is the first in Mississippi. It's comparatively... Alabama has nine uh, waterkeeper organizations. Louisiana has five. Arkansas has one and, and none in Tennessee. We now have one in Mississippi. So that might be something that we would work on to maybe if, if people are interested that live in other parts of the state and are concerned about maybe some watersheds, what rivers and that sort of thing in their area, uh, I would imagine maybe going the Waterkeeper Alliance, I'm sure, has a website. Would that probably be the best place to start to get some sort of local thing involved? Right. If you are interested in forming a, a Waterkeeper Alliance, 
group, you need to go to the Waterkeeper Alliance website. I believe they will walk you through the whole process very carefully and help you any way they can. I think you have to write a proposal and, and let them know what your plans are, and, and they'll guide you through it. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and take another break. Uh, during the break, we've got a trivia or a little uh, brain teaser for you. Uh, what are the five longest rivers in the United States? If you, uh, We'll have that answer for you after the break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back after this, so stay tuned. I'm Robert Krilwich from Radiolab. We're told that smell triggers memories in the brain. So if you're in your car, let's try something. Roll up your windows and inhale, okay? There are some memories you cherish and others that just um, linger. But now here's a thought. How about contributing this barrel of aroma that is your car to your favorite public radio station? And you might even get a tax deduction. Thanks. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. And welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield and our guest today, Billy Mitchell, who's a board member of the Pearl River Keepers. If you'd like to join the conversation, still time for you to call in with a question. Maybe you'd like to know more about the work of the Pearl River Keepers or you have a brush with wildlife that you'd like to talk about. Uh, call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can always email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Now, before the break, we had our geography question, the five longest rivers in the U.S. Now, I don't want to put either one of you on the spot, but take a guess at what do you think the longest river in the U.S. is? The Mississippi-Missouri line is by far the longest, but and I always look at it as one river because the way the Missouri flows right in. But I think even if you take the Mississippi by itself, it's probably a little bit longer. Isn't it? Very good, Libby. The Mississippi is 2,348 miles long. Uh, number two would be the Missouri at 2,341. Some other long rivers in the U.S., uh, the Yukon River, which I think is in Alaska. I don't want to show my mm. geographic ignorance, but I hope I'm right on that one, which is 1,982 miles long. The Rio Grande uh, that's along the Texas border there, the southern Texas border, is 1,885 miles. And then the Arkansas River, which is nearby, is uh, 1,469 miles long. The Pearl River, by contrast, only only 444 miles long. But again, very important, especially here to the folks who live in central Mississippi, uh, not only for its recreational uh, opportunities, but its biodiversity, and it serves as um, a, a source for drinking water for for the Jackson area. And, you know, we talk about the work of the, the Pearl River Keepers, but there's also other groups involved with uh, trying to keep the Pearl River Basin clean. One that our producer Java found is called Take to Miss. With it's a, actually uh, the Pearl River Keepers social media campaign. Ah, okay. So Take it is. Okay. Miss. Very yeah. good. Uh, and what this is, it's a way to get involved. It's an easy way to get involved. It is a social media campaign. Uh, and what they ask you to do is... Uh, pick up two pieces of litter anytime, anywhere, snap a photo, and then post it to your Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag take the number two miss. Take two miss. So, again, um, uh, Billy, this is a way it just some makes the public more aware. If people are, you know, surfing through their Facebook feed and they find this, this again impacts them to let them know that this is a problem uh, that uh, really impacts everyone and that everyone can kind of help uh, keep the, the Pearl River Basin clean. All right, the, the Take-Two Mississippi is what it 
what it's all about. And that is where the the Pearl River Keeper idea came to Abby. She was from out of the state and moved here and was just curious about why nobody used the Pearl River and and was when canoeing or, or kayaking around she's got the idea that every time you go out you should take pick up two pieces of trash and she put that on the social media and and then got more interested and more interested and it grew into the Pearl River Keeper. You know years ago we used to see Abby walking on the trails behind the museum and she had more than two pieces of trash with her every time we saw her come out. She was just a great example for anybody else that was out there because she she was picking up a lot of trash while she was walking the trails. That's right. And again, you know, when I think earlier you said 16 tons of trash, and a lot of people might think, well, gee, there's not money thing I can do about, you know, that, that amount of, of, of a problem. But again, I think this is one of those things where, uh, not necessarily a citizen science, but it's where the average everyday person can get involved and how difficult is it to find two pieces of trash and pick them up. So I think if everybody were to start doing that, the little small things, when it works together, that's when you really can uh, make a difference. So, um, you know, we talked about uh, the um, the clean sweeps coming up this weekend. Billy, if uh, folks were not listening earlier in the show, uh, remind us again of, of what the queen, clean sweep is and, and how people can get involved. This uh, cleanup effort that's all along the Pearl River from Nanawai all the way to the coast. If you go to pearlriverkeeper.com, there's a section on the website where you can review and pick out a site that's near you or that you would like to, uh, rather work from the, from the land or from the water. But review the site and, and register and it all taking place Saturday. All right. <clears throat> and uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, if you have a Boy Scout troop, a Girl Scout troop, a church group, civic organizations, this is a good a good opportunity for uh, groups that like to help out you know, with community causes and, and public events to, to get involved. Um, so the other thing I think you mentioned is uh, there are captains, I guess, in each little section of the river. And so if you go to uh, pearlriverkeepers.com, would that be the contact information so that you, you know, kind of know where to go and that sort of thing? Right. There, there's a map that, that you can look at. There's lists. Uh, everything is there on the website to guide you. Okay. And, again, it starts at 8, and uh, so people could come. If they can stay all day, that would be great. If they only can do an hour, half an hour, uh, I think when something like this, just anybody that really wants to volunteer, you say, come on, and, and we'll find something for you to do. That's right. And it'll be very hot. I, I You know, I wouldn't like to say that it goes on all day because uh, normally three or four hours of, of picking up trash in this heat is enough for most people. And you said obviously wear maybe some boots or comfortable shoes because you're going to be doing a lot of walking. Um, I think Libby mentioned if they, some plastic gloves might be provided, but you also mentioned that the little the grabbers uh, would be provided for folks. Right. Yeah, and I think you probably need to bring your own gloves if you're going to do gloves. Okay. Or just planned up. You know, I, I didn't use gloves. I just picked up with my hands and then cleaned my hands good at the end. Okay. 
But yeah, I think those grabbers would be helpful because you as you mentioned, a lot of times trash gets kind of stuck or caught up along the the banks, and so this would be an easy way to help you get to that stuff that maybe folks that are in the river itself uh, can't get to as well. And that's the important thing is just to to try to get uh, you know um, get as much trash picked up as possible. I'm curious. You mentioned that the some have kind of an award for. Um, weirdest piece of trash found? Did they also maybe compete and say, you know, our group picked up this much? And is there a little competition among the various areas as this goes on? Oh, I, I suppose there could be, but uh, I don't think we really know how much uh, weight-wise or any of that till it's all over with. So, so uh, I think yeah. number of bags of trash. I, I think yeah. I heard people were bragging about that. How, yeah. yeah. How 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 many pickup truck loads they got out of a certain spot. And again, I think that that will really bring home what an important thing that these volunteers are doing when they see the amount of trash that they can pick up in, the, in a small amount of time that they're doing it. Uh, we've got Pat on the line from Gulfport, so let's invite them into the program. Good morning, Pat. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to my brother. His name is Anthony. And he has been picking up trash for about 20 years here on the coast, and particularly recycling. And I know he has picked up thousands of pounds. And he goes out and he walks for miles, and he brings it back to his house, and he prepares it for the recycling people. And it's just amazing to me. He goes out to Turkey Creek, uh, along that creek, and cleans. And um, he, he says it's his work. And he's never been recognized, and I just want to give a shout-out to him for um, helping to keep the Gulf Coast beautiful. Pat, that's wonderful. Thank you, Anthony. I hope he's listening. All right, uh, Pat, thank you. And again, I think that's uh, that's a good point. Is a lot of times uh, when people do this sort of volunteer work, you know, it, there's there's no six o'clock news and that sort of thing. But these people really are the heroes willing to give up a part of their Saturday uh, to go out and help uh, something that it benefits all of us. Sounds so again, like Anthony's doing it all the time, too. That's great. <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, is um, you get to enjoy the river. This, You know, when you go out and help pick up the trash, maybe you'll find something uh, that you've never known about the Pearl River before, or it's just a chance to get get out uh, on a Saturday in Mississippi uh, and enjoy the outdoors. So again, it is uh, this Saturday, beginning at 8. PearlRiverKeepers.com is the website, Billy. Is that right? That's correct. All right. And again, uh, if you go there, you can find out all the information that you need. It's great because you can pick uh, an area that's maybe close to your home or whatever. Pick whatever you want. If you've got a civic group or a church group or anything involved, this would be a great thing uh, for them to do on a Saturday. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced each week by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Billy Mitchell, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.